me, you, and the driver, we gotta get this photo together. We gotta get this selfie. Oh, open it. You got a bag? A bag for fucking what? We fucking grocery shopping or something? We doubling up on these bags? I was like, wow. Women are incredible. I've been out here every single weekend since I've been doing this. Picking up people who have had amazing nights. Fuck off, mum. I'm sleeping. I'm staying here. Leave me alone. I mean, I've always said this anyway, that this thing has killed me. But I can see I've aged. I look at my beard, mad grey hairs. It is mad. Welcome to or welcome back to my podcast, my book. Today, I have a special guest, YouTube sensation, I would say. Um, you have close to a million subscribers on YouTube and like, I could be wrong, but like 100,000 followers on Instagram. Darren Levy or Darren Levy? How do, how do I pronounce it? You know what? Either works. Either works. Oh, okay. It's spelled okay. L-E-V-Y, but you can call me, call me Darren. It's fine. Okay. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, first and foremost, my book tells my story, um, but you were one of the first individuals to, let's say, I'll be honest, probably even inspire me to begin actually recording videos. And then obviously when I lost a terabyte of videos, um, I began, make, I made the decision to then obviously write a book. I've got a number of questions today, but I've actually started, not started, I saw your first video in regards to the robbery, which I, I'm going to say I now know is a prank. Um, but at the time, I was like, what's going on here? So I probably didn't watch the whole video in its entirety, but I watched maybe a number of videos. So I might not have watched the full video, but I watched a number of videos. But as I was saying, sure. um, I want this to be like a free-flowing conversation, um, despite the fact that I obviously got questions. But my first actual question is, why the YouTube channel? Or what inspired you to start the YouTube? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, so I, before, before, like, the YouTube thing even, I guess, like, came about, I was working in corporate sales, and it was just one of those stereotypical millennial sort of situations where I wasn't loving it, uh, trying a bunch of different things uh, at the time, uh, so I quit, uh, and, yeah, the, the YouTube was one of a few things that I was just giving a go. Um, and fortunately, so I was, I was driving Uber for the cash, you know, for a bit of cash flow because I had just quit. Um, and fortunately, I came across a passenger who suggested that um, after like some good banter that we, we'd had that, you know, this is something that I'd, I could see on YouTube. And I was like, my first response was like, I don't think anybody would actually watch that. But it sat there for a little while. And I had a look when I, when I got home and there was a gentleman by the name of Ryan or his YouTube channel is Ryan is driving. And he was doing this exact thing in, in America. But um, I kind of like identified or I, I, I kind of, I, I felt like he, his and my personalities were kind of similar because it was pretty much just like a younger dude, like laid back um, and having these like, conversations with people. And I saw that he was having like quite a bit of success on YouTube. Like I think at the time he had around 50, 60, maybe 70,000 subscribers. So I'm like, wow, okay, there's a guy that's having a good level of success here. I'm going to give it a go in Australia and maybe put my own flavor on it. And, and that was, that was it. Like, uh, from there, I just kind of, you know, I consume a lot of like Gary V, um, a lot of his, uh, his, uh, very good technical advice on how to grow an audience. Yeah. Um, and I, and I followed a lot of his advice and, and here we are kind of thing. Cool. It's very exciting. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And how long were you driving before someone actually made the suggestion for you to start actually recording them? Probably about a, about a month because I started driving in um, at the beginning of April and then I started posting at the 
it was either the end of May or the beginning of June. It was about a month, just over a month um, of driving on the weekends. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and yeah. And, and yourself, are you, are you still driving now? No. So obviously with COVID-19, it, I mean, people are driving, but for me, my situation is a little bit different. And obviously I'll go into a bit more detail as to my book and, and just having conversations. So I decided to mm. become an Uber driver. So I went backpacking in 2017 and before I went backpacking, I made a decision. I wanted to leave full-time work and I wanted to kind of give a bit more time to some of the things that I was genuinely passionate about. And I thought to myself, and I've always believed this, I feel if you, well, in my own, in, sorry, belief in my own self, I've always, I've always thought that if I had enough time um, and to an extent money, but certainly time, I don't think there's a limit to what I can achieve. That's what I genuinely believe in myself. So I thought to myself, let me become an Uber driver so I can then have the flexibility to pursue some of the things that I'm really interested in. So that's the reason why I became an Uber driver. But when I went traveling in 2017, I, I came back. There was a bit of delay in getting my license, but then I got my license and I, I began working, if I'm honest. Um, but your question was, am I driving at the moment? No. So with COVID-19, um, because I was renting my car, I didn't quite own my car. Uh, because of the flexibility, I was unsure whether, I didn't know when and where I was going to stop becoming an Uber driver. So I thought to myself, it's best not to own a car, it's best to rent a car and just see how it goes. So with COVID-19, um, you know, the landscape's a bit, I don't want to say wishy-washy, but it's not the greatest at this moment in time. So I just made a decision to stay at home. In fact, no, in fact, I've been put down as one of the vulnerable. So uh, because I've got like a sickle cell trait, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I've got no illness or anything. Uh, I'm fine. got no problems. But um, yeah, I've been asked to stay at home. So I've stayed at home this whole time. Fair enough, man. Yeah, it's a it's a weird time. Like my, myself as well. Like I haven't driven in probably like close to four months now. Yeah, uh, definitely three months. But um, yeah, you you can drive, and yeah. and that's that's I guess people's decisions if they if they want to, and like if they're in a situation where they they need to drive for the for the cash or for whatever their situation is. Um, but I, there's so much uncertainty. It's probably like if you can stay home, you probably should right yeah yeah and, I, and i'll say that is probably where i i sit at this moment in time and i mean i've i've got in i mean i've spoken to uber drivers and they've told me that the landscape is not good at this moment in time so obviously we'll talk about mm. kind of how much we make per day also i know there'll be differences obviously in you being in australia and myself being in london mm. uh, but a lot of them are saying they're making a real fraction of what they're making before and some of them actually are making money at a loss so i don't quite understand obviously why they'll be out there but I feel maybe they no. So some of them are sorry no. So some of them would be probably let's say higher purchase or paying for a car per month, and they've got no choice but to be out on the road in order to bring money in to continue right. continue making those payments. Right. Scary, I know. Mm. Very so, scary. Very scary. situation to be in for sure. For sure. So, um, do you work on any other platforms apart from Uber? Um, so in, in Australia, we've well, in Melbourne, it's it's actually different in each state. But in Melbourne, we've we've got a couple. Okay. Uh, well, we've got quite a few actually now. I I only I only do Uber and Didi. I'm not sure if okay. you've heard of Didi. No. There. Do you? Yeah, Didi. It's a it's a it's a Chinese owned company, and they actually bought out Uber in China. Okay. Um. So like they're, yeah. I guess I guess at this stage, because Uber started in what like 2009 or 10, um, or rideshare you know, Uber and Lyft in, in the States started in 2009 and 10. It's, it's somewhat commoditized at this stage. Like 
it's I think it's smart for drivers to be on as many platforms as possible to yeah. maximize their earnings if they can be. But um, yeah, I, I do Uber and Didi. Yeah. Okay, and do you find it? I mean, I I was uh, sorry, I'm on. I was on a few platforms. So I was on Uber and I forget the other ones. There's one called Bolt in in the UK, and what well, is the number anyway? So I was on a few platforms, but I always found it very very difficult from moving from one platform to another. So I ended up pretty much just staying on Uber the whole entire time, and despite Mm. Yeah, despite any potential loss of income by not being on several platforms at the same time. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's smart. I mean, like at the end of the day, uh, I mean, everybody's reasons for driving are different. But I think if you're trying to maximize income and you're getting enough trips on Uber or whatever platform in your country, that's that's a smart thing. That's the, that's the move. Yeah, of, course, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. What would you say the positive and negative aspects of being a driver are, considering that you've now been a a driver for say let's say about say three years mm, um yeah I, like on the positive side it's it's a no-brainer for me like I, I i'm a social person i get energy from people so like i i really enjoy like the interactions with people um i think i think with all of like with ride share something i've i've learned about regardless of um the company that that exists in your country uh when they enter a market, they burn a lot of cash to get drivers and riders on board. And with that, they have a lot of promotions. And so when you start driving for a new company, um, whether it's Uber in the early days or Didi in the early days here or, or Bolt in the early days there, I'm sure there are a lot of promotions because they're trying to gain some market share. Yeah. And I think that's a really good time to to drive um, for these companies. But it... Uh, it will eventually reach that like market equilibrium in price. Um, and unfortunately, like it is a lot of the time with these rideshare companies, the drivers that lose more of their share of the fare um, as time goes on. Cause you know, the riders, the end consumer, they have to, they have to be there for it all to exist. So it, it makes sense, but it's rough. Um, so I think nowadays, um, I, although initially I, I got into like the ride share stuff because I just quit my job and I, I needed some cash flow. And um, now I don't drive to maximize income. I, I, I drive to, to meet some awesome people and hopefully, hopefully they give me permission and we can have some, have some good banter and make some good content. Cool. I don't want to make, I don't, um, obviously I know, I mean, I don't even have to say this. Um, so I don't know if people, I don't, I don't know where people are actually consuming this by way of the podcast. So this has been recorded in, in June, but I'm thinking this is going to come out anytime between September and let's say November. So, okay. I, I mean, with the amount of subscribers you have, which is close to a million and obviously the amount of followers you have on social media, I mean, I think I saw on Instagram, you have over a hundred thousand, right in saying so? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So no. So would you say you're... I mean, obviously, you've kind of just said that you don't actually now do this necessarily for the income by way of being an Uber driver. And now you do it for the fact that now you're a content creator. Am I right in saying so? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And as I said before, see, that's kind of where I got my initial kind of like inspiration in regards to recording and then obviously writing a book. Because although I had other plans by way of things that I wanted wanted to pursue, I found when I was having journeys and very much like yourself, I was having these awesome conversations, but at the same time, we're having these awesome conversations and having these weird and awkward encounters that I would explain to my friends on like on a Monday, on a Monday evening. Cause sometimes we meet on a Monday evening in regards to like having like a book club or something. And yeah. I'll be telling them and they'll be looking like that is mad. So, and it will happen week in, week out, week in, week out to the point they're like, 
you've got to, you've got to write a book or you've got to document this in some way, shape, or form. So after actually seeing you, no, I must have researched it a little bit. I saw yourself, and I think I saw the guy in the states that you were talking about as well. And I bought a GoPro. No, I rented a GoPro to begin with, and then eventually I bought a, Gro- a, a mm. GoPro and I started actually, you know, documenting journeys and things like that. It's just unfortunate that I I lost a lot. I lost about a terabyte worth of um, footage. So I was very disappointed. Uh, I, I feel I feel your pain, man. Like the amount of careless times I have either like I thought I've already copied it onto my hard drive and then and then like deleted. I've I've done it so many times that I should have learnt my lesson by now, but I just haven't. It actually happened this weekend. Um, cause uh, like now, cause I'm not driving, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting people on Omega of all places at the moment. And I wasn't recording for the first like two hours. And I had some of these great interactions and people so in- in- excited to be on the channel and things like that. And then I, I like about to go get something to eat just to have a bit of a break. And I'm like, Oh, far out. I wasn't recording. And that's the worst feeling. Your heart sinks. So I, I feel your pain now. I was hurt for so long to the point where I didn't record anything for like nine months after. <laughs> so it took me nine months oh. before I decided to turn the GoPro on at that point. And at that point, it wasn't too long after that. I said, you know what, I'm going to continue recording, but I'm actually going to write a book in that. I remember a lot of my stories. Yeah. I remember a lot of my stories and I feel maybe a book may, I think there's nothing like video content, but I felt maybe a book might give a bit more context to the reason obviously why I started my journey. But for sure. um, Before we go into obviously some of your experiences separately, like over like, if we were to say obviously a three-year period, would your perception of being a driver, has it changed between year one, two, and three? Um, probably, maybe slightly, but probably not like for the most part. I mean, you pick up, I'm sure you could relate, like you pick up pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, so I, I just drive on the weekends. I'm not, were you, were you driving on the weekends and no. during the week or just? So I began, no, so when I became a driver, I was driving full-time. So I left work. Left work, right. so, went travel, so left work, went traveling, came back, and I became a driver. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so I've only I've only ever driven on the weekends, and trips on the weekend become, or like the types of trips that you have, become somewhat competitive, uh, repetitive. Um, like you, you kind of know that there are maybe ten or fifteen character types of people that are going to get in your car, and the type of whether it's going to be a sloppy sort of thing or it's going to be a quiet sort of thing. So. I feel like after maybe a couple of months, maybe definitely after a year, I had a very good idea of, of, of what I was like getting into whenever, ever, whenever I got in my car. It's very rare that you have like surprises or random things happen. Um, I mean, so, you know, certain conversations can go places and you're like, holy shit. But, but um, for the most part, I think like with any customer service job, the one thing that can happen to a lot of people when they work in customer service for a long time is they become bitter with their customers and the, and the rude customers tend to, you, you know, you, you, you start to remember the rude customers more than you remember the great customers. And, um, that, that, you know, that's like just an ongoing thing that you have to keep checking yourself and go, okay, look, I had one bad customer in, in the whole month. Uh, and it might've put me in a really shit mood for the night, but like, it, it's still, nothing's changed. It's still the same sort of thing. Yeah, that, that does happen, you know? I mean, and I, the worst for me, I mean, it can happen at any, any given stage um, of a day or an evening, but when it happens, certainly at the beginning of your day, that can be the worst. And, mm. I, and I've had that where I've picked up people and they've been miserable and 
not necessarily said, I mean, they've definitely said things, but said things which have set the tone for the next hour or two. And you had to, you have to kind of like shake yourself out of that, sure. out of that mood because it can be terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it can, it can. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I, I was, I was just going to say, I was just going to say like, so what a, 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 a tactic, if you will, um, of something like if I was on like a Friday or Saturday night, cause I mean, I used to, I, Friday or Saturday night, I generally speaking, I would have liked to have been out. Uh, whereas now over the last three years, I, I drive on the weekend, but my friends are still out. So if I, if I, if I have like one of those instances where it's just a passenger that is just, you know, really changed my mood for the worst, um, I'll, I'll call a drunk friend or I'll call a friend and just be like, man, you wouldn't believe what the hell just happened. And hopefully they can pull you out of your mood or you listen to like a stupid podcast, something to get your mind off it. But you know, I, I feel you, I feel you it can, can tarnish your day a bit. I'll say I probably do something. I mean, I don't ring a friend. I've done so in extreme cases where I've rang someone after something has happened and someone's told me, calm down, calm down, calm down. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go into that in just a moment. I've got a couple of questions which, I'm, I'm honest, I'm not really interested in. But I think um, if I'll go into that, I'll go into that <laughs> into that in just a moment. But a couple, I've got a couple of questions which I think people might be interested in. But I'm honest, I'm not really interested in by way of like how much okay. people make per day, um, the biggest tip you've got, uh, yeah, and the mm. biggest tip you've got. These type of things I'm not interested in. But I'm sure there's people who I think there's a loads of different perceptions out there as to Uber drivers even making a lot of money or not making a lot of money. And I thought it might be interesting just to share your insight by way or maybe how much you made a day or on, on a particular day or what's the biggest tip you've got? Yeah, well, like I, like I mentioned before, like with a lot of these rideshare companies, when they enter a market and there are lots of promotions um, to, to try to get drivers and riders on board, that's, that's when you get like, you know, these, these promotions to make, you know, do X amount of trips and you can make 50 bucks an hour and, and, and cool like little promotions like that. In, it might be different in other countries, but here in Melbourne, that doesn't really exist anymore. They might have little things here or there, but we don't have that many promotions. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what like the most I've made in a day, or or or. Uh, I mean, I mean, I know like the longest trip that I've ever done was mm -hmm. like shortly after starting. <laughs> so totally my bad. It was like six o'clock in the morning, or like Friday night or Saturday morning six o'clock in the morning, I'm like ready to go home. And you know how you like drop the pin at home and then you get, hopefully get trips on the way home. Yep. Um, I, f I forgot to do that. And, and I was like, I live like, like south of the city and, and I was quite far north of the city. This guy gets in the car and he's like, we're going to uh, this country town called Gisborne. And it's like an hour and 45 minute drive away. And I was just like, fuck. And in the wrong direction, I was like, damn it, I'm, I'm in this now. I got to do it. <laughs> Um, and I, and I think like gross over, like for that trip, I gross, um, income was like over a hundred bucks okay. and that made you feel good. You made you feel good and you go, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. But you got to really, and you would know, you got to remember that, like, that's not how much you made. You have to factor in your, the other cost of your car. And that's actually hard to do there. And then on the day, I can only work that stuff out once I've done my tax. Um, but, but yeah, the most I've been tipped. Um, is thirty dollars, which was more recently, and it was it wasn't a real life sort of thing. It was like a five minute trip, um, and it was it was quite funny because the passenger had seen the videos, and they got all excited that they'd seen the videos, and they're like, "No, oh, I'm going to tip you. I'm going to tip you." 
which was cool. Like I really appreciated that. But before that, we don't really have much of a tipping culture in Australia. So um, yeah, no, maybe like a couple dollars here or there, but, but yeah. Um, how long did it take for you to be, I mean, cause I noticed from some of your videos in watching them today, how long did it take for you to be noticed or known around the city? Because it seems like a lot of people, well, a lot of people recognize you when they get in the car. What? Well, I think, I think what's, what's really fortunate about the way like it's played out and this is completely out of my control is that YouTube has recommended a lot of my content to 18 to 24 year olds. Okay. And that just happens to be the people that are out on the weekend. And I'll be honest with you, majority of my audience is in um, America, Canada, UK. Um, only like six or 7% was in Australia. And, but I started posting clips of my trips to TikTok yeah. um, in September, October last year. Okay. And TikTok has put my content in front of a lot of Australian users. So it's okay. it's really only since yeah September, October ish last year where Australia has actually started to um, like start to know who I am, which is really fun. Um, but. But yeah, before that, it was it wasn't much happening in Australia, I guess. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, so I'll tell my story very briefly as to um, obviously when I called my friend after obviously being annoyed. So I had a mm. rider. Um, so now I'll tell you my I'll tell you my question. I want to ask you very shortly, and then I'll tell you the story. So um, I want you to go through any yeah. awkward moments, altercations, and drunk and disorderly interactions um, that you have found obviously as a driver. But I'll tell you very quickly. Uh, my story. So sure. I picked up a couple. I'm going to say this was in central London. I remember it in particular. I think it was off Shaftesbury Avenue. Um, and I think they were going somewhere in North London. I think close to, I'm going to say Islington. I think it was somewhere in that, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that region. So not long after picking them up, I could smell a bit of alcohol on them, on them and I could see they're a little bit drunk. But it wasn't really an issue because it was a weekend. So that's part of the norm, if I'm honest. And then I heard someone hurl, as in throw up. But it didn't seem as if it was, I don't want to say a lot, but it didn't seem, it seemed like a gag reflex more than anything. Well, I asked if they're okay. I asked if they're okay, and then they asked me to pull over, and then she began throwing up. Began throwing up, and then as they closed the door, and she kind of like sorted herself out between her and her boyfriend, um, I asked if there was any mess in the car, because obviously I was going to continue my shift after. So we continue driving, and occasionally I'll ask, like, are they sure there was no no mess in the car because they assured me that everything was okay. Um, but in between me yeah. asking those questions, her, bo her boyfriend was quite annoyed um, with her. And he, and he, they were speaking another language. I believe they were speaking Chinese or the Oriental anyway. So they were speaking another language. And once we arrived at the destination, I asked them again before they got out, are they sure they were, could I just continue with my, my, with my, with my shift? They said, yeah, no problems. So they got out of the car and I thought, let me just get out of the car and check myself. I checked. And I was sick kind of all over the place, if I'm honest. And as I looked up, first and foremost, they lied, all right? So as I looked up, um, I asked them, where are they going? I asked them, where are you going? And, and I said, and there was no. As I looked to my left and in the direction in which they're walking, and you could see a pub to the left and, like, residential homes to the right. And at the time, I was kind of thinking, throwing up is almost an occupational hazard. It sounds bad or it sounds silly, but it's kind of part and parcel of the journey, which sounds awful. All right. On my part. Okay. Um, and there's a few things I weren't aware of at the time. I wasn't really aware that you can claim back from Uber if someone had thrown up in your car. There were certain things I weren't aware of. So 
and I'm a very polite individual. So I'm a very polite individual. I don't give anyone any hassle or any shit before, but I know things might be different for other drivers by way of experience and going through things. So as they're walking, I, I was a bit confused as to, are they going to the pub or are they going home? Because if they're going to the pub, then I might have to take this one on the chin. If they're going home, I'm going to see this as, as a bit of a disrespect that they're walking home and they're, and they're quite comfortable in not saying they're going to come out and clean the car. So I asked them where they're going. Yeah. I asked them where they're going, and they said they're going home. And I just lost it. I said, you thought you were going to just throw up in my car and then just go home and then continue with your Saturday evening. And I lost it. And I told them, someone better come out and clean my car immediately. Um, so um, they went inside and he berated her. You could see he was shouting, shouting and screaming at her. And she come outside and she cleaned the car. Um, but in between, I was talking to my friend because I had, at this point, I, I mean, I've loved my two, three years in being an Uber driver. But there's certainly been some frustrating points. And I felt that day in particular was almost a tipping point as to the way I felt maybe some people view or even look at Uber drivers in that sometimes they feel they can be a bit subservient, if that makes any sense. So I lost yeah, it. I yeah, I felt it. I was talking to my friends for a good five, ten minutes, and they said, no, nah, just leave it. Don't do anything that's going to get you in trouble. Um, but that's one of many, many, many stories I can tell. But, mm. I mean... Given the floor to yourself, mm. can you think of anything that's awkward, um, altercations, drunk and disorderly, things of that nature? Yeah, dude. I mean, like, like your story in particular, uh, I know I relate to similar, similar uh, instances like that. And I have no doubt any Uber driver watching would be able to relate to, to that kind of stuff. It's like the intoxicated person says that there's no mess in the car, whether it's vomit or any other type of food or any other type of mess um but then they get out and they, they continue on their night uh, there there are a couple there are a couple like pieces to it like i, I agree with you like the, the 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 whole thing around like respecting someone else's property or car or whatever is paramount in any like interaction and and anybody who doesn't do that i i think is a shit human <laughs> but 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 um but the thing is like yeah when they I, I always question i always wonder if they if they would do the same thing sober and i feel like a lot of the time they probably wouldn't and and i'm not making excuses for them but it's i guess that kind of like is just telling myself that is kind of like try to help me appreciate that this isn't a personal thing against me it's it's that they're a shit person <laughs> when they're drunk or whatever this isn't because they're being rude to me and I guess, and, and there's also a conversation that could be brought up around like, well, the way that rideshare companies market the Uber driver to the rider is, is, uh, is very much that um, it's not necessarily a person. It's, 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 uh, it's a commoditized yeah. uh, uh, vehicle to get to the next yeah, yeah, uh, destination, which, which you know what, it, like, uh, it, it makes sense. I, I get, I get why they do it, but um, I think that's also why people tend to not, not everybody. It's actually a very small, small minority of the of of people, but a group of people don't necessarily have as much respect for your for your rideshare drivers. I, I like, I yeah, I, I get you. But, but to, to answer your question, um. Yeah, I've had I've had quite a few like messed up situations. My my worst or the one that that annoyed me the most, um, and I and I, I I made a video around this. And I couldn't really show it, but I spoke about it. Um, was 
there were these three girls that got into my car and they were, they were like, you know, they were having a, having a good night <laughs> and um, they were drinking. Oh no, sorry. The girl in the front seat took my water bottle at the front and, and like took a swig out of it. Now she wasn't really thinking. I was like, no, that's my water. If you want, if you want water, I've got water. And I like give her a, <laughs> give her a, a water bottle but which I shouldn't have done at that stage. But like, I think I'm probably similar to you and like, you know, we want to, we're the polite Uber driver or we're the polite whatever driver. And, and that's what you're trying to do. Anyway, so she, she um, took a swig of, of this, uh, this water bottle and turned around to her friend and like spat her water at her friend. Um, and I, and I was like, I, I like, you know, you double take and you, you double take and you're like, surely that didn't just happen. In no world would that be okay. <laughs> Um, and then, and then a friend had, I think it was water, had a bottle of something and like spat back at, at a friend in the front seat. And then like some of it's getting on you and you're just like far out. Um, so, so yeah, like that, that's one of those trips. And I, I really, I, I haven't ended many trips early. Like I'm, I, I probably allow too much stuff to, to go on that I, that I really should. But, but uh, that was one of the instances where I pulled over. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't take you any further. Um, and that's, that's just how it is. I, there's an, another instance where I had picked up four guys from a, a strip club that were like coked up out of their mind. A guy in the front seat's trying his hardest to make his mates in the back laugh, kind of being like, just like loud yelling out the window kind of thing for the most part. Like, Although it was, it was like obnoxious humor. So like, I was like, oh, this is kind of funny, but like a little bit annoying, but okay. And then at one stage he pulls his pants down and I didn't realize this was happening because I think I was like looking out to the yeah. right or I was looking at, pulls his pants down. Um, not sure how much of this you want to include in here, but he pulls his pants down, tries to direct me, go left, go right with his dick. And I was just like, surely not. Like, <laughs> like I, I could see how like objectively that's like, you know, I could see how there would be an angle of humor to that, but like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and uh, yeah, it was one of those other situations where I pulled over and I'm like, sorry guys, I can't take you any further. Um, and in that, in that instance in particular, um, I reported that one. Uh, I can't remember if it was Uber or Didi or whatever. I reported that one and I just said, you know, like I consider myself pretty easygoing, but if that happened to another driver, um, I would, they might not, I don't mean this in like an arrogant way, but they might not take it as well as I did. Yeah. Um, and that, that could be like a, a pretty serious issue. And they were good. They, they reached out to me. I got a phone call from them like the next day asking me if I'm okay. Um, assuring me that their account has been handled appropriately and blah, 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 blah. Um, so that was a good response from, um, from them. But, but yeah, man, I, <laughs> you never know what's going to get in your car. You never know. And when people actually do get in my car and things occur, I, it's almost like, oh, here we go again. I've seen this before. But in a good way and a bad way. Bad way by way of bad experiences. But when maybe conversations occur, by way of conversations you want to be interactive with, it's like, yeah, I've been here before. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So, um, again, obviously mm -hmm. it has its ups and downs. But um, I, have enjoyed, I have enjoyed it. But if I'm honest, I do believe I'm coming to the tail end of what would be my journey as a as a driver who knows i might have had my my last ride already i'm not too sure um have you had any yeah, accidents okay. or you know like crazy interactions with other road users because as we know driving i don't know how it is in melbourne but certainly driving in london can be a bit chaotic yeah no i mean I, i've been really fortunate um the the 
the, the three years I've been on the road, I mean, I've, I've actually never been in, I've been, sorry, that's a lie. I've been in one accident my whole life and I was, I was waiting at a red light. A guy went into the back of me okay. um, and he, he, he told me he was texting. So fortunately I've never had like any, any, uh, any, like any accidents um, doing rideshare, but uh, I had, I had one really close call um, where I was, I was driving, had like a full car and I went to take a sip of my coffee and this, it was a taxi just out of nowhere, like no indication, like came into my lane. Now I, I was like mid sip scolding, like black coffee. And I just, I don't know, like it was just one of those reactions, like swerved out of the way of this taxi that just kind of came into my, my lane. And my, my, my riders thought I was like a superhero because I, to this day, I will never ever have those kind of like reaction uh, to anything. Cause I, I was, I was really proud of that, but I've never had a, I've never had a, <laughs> and into application okay fortunately cool. and have you yeah oh yes i've had um so in terms of driving yeah i've had i'm gonna say one i've had two accidents um so i had one um it was a bad one where a lorry went into me i mean it, it wasn't mm. yeah i went had one where a lorry went into me um i was fine it wasn't it wasn't a big issue it's been solved now just recently been solved by way of compensation but that took about two years and i had one where i was driving and i think when you're driving you then begin to develop almost like a sixth sense of what you think may potentially happen after that makes it well anything well sixth sense of what maybe potentially might happen so driving and i think there was maybe a bus to my left and a bus to my right and i think someone just randomly just ran out in the road no so so no i slowed down allowed people to cross. It was in a very dangerous place, but I slowed down and allowed people to cross. And after I allowed those people to cross, someone must have felt they've got the right of way or they, they can cross the road. At this point, I can't see them because because something's still kind of blocking my view. So I, I now begin to drive again slowly and the person come out and I've hit them and they've gone on the floor. It, it wasn't bad, yeah. if I'm honest. Um, they got up, they blamed me to begin with, but I thought they were crazy. I mean, they couldn't really... Um, it was a blind spot for them. Probably was a blind spot for myself as well. But I had right away by mm. being actually being on the road, and they just decided to just mm. sprint across the road, which I thought was a bit crazy. So I've had maybe right. two incidents by way of accidents. And in terms of altercations, I've had nothing where I've had to physically put my hands on anybody, but I've perhaps had to stand my ground and let them know that there's no way in hell I'm going to be intimidated by your actions if that makes any sense. So I've had a number of those, and to be honest. A lot of the individuals, whether it's in the car or other road users, have decided other, have decided otherwise and either drove off or kept quiet, really. I mean, I had one rider in my car who I accidentally missed a turn in. It wasn't a big deal with him, and it's in the biggest scheme of things because his house or his drop-off point was literally the, the next right or something along that, or, some, or anyway, something of that nature. And he went into a big hoo-ha mm. as to why I didn't take the right. And I was like, I'm going to take the next ride. It's not that really, it's not that big of a deal. I do apologize for missing mm. the turning, but it's not mm. that big of a deal in the bigger scheme of things. And he went on and went on and went on. And I was asking, but does he want to get out? Cause it's not really a big deal for me in that I'm going home and in that direction because I actually want to get something to eat. So it's convenient for me. But if you want to get out, get out. He didn't, he didn't say nothing. And then we approached the lights. He got out and he started mouthing off. And I was like, yeah, it's convenient. I said, I mean, in the, in the car you didn't say nothing but now you've got the car you've decided to mouth off so um no big deal no no yeah no big deal if i'm honest um 
but that's about it if i'm honest there have been other ones if i'm honest um in which i've had to kind of maybe refrain from because there's no mm. i mean i mean i probably wasn't in, in no no situation where i was going to win if i'm honest i mean this is at the very beginning of my journey as well and i think we had a disagreement as to maybe he thought i was blocking the lane which wasn't quite the case he must have been angry at something else i'm not too sure what he was angry at he was with his girlfriend at the time i don't know if it was bravado or him just being annoyed prior so i don't think i did anything wrong it was a case of a lane was merging and then i merged into the lane but in merging into the lane i was now kind of blocking his his right of way to pass but the light was still red for him so it wasn't going to make any big deal i eventually moved out of the way he decided to come side by side and have a big moan up i didn't quite understand what he was moaning at he went on a little bit further i drove a little bit closer and asked him what was he moaning at? i didn't quite understand and he went on went on and he decided to confront me and then i thought to myself why is he confronting me and at this point i thought He's now pushing his luck, truth be told. And I was quite close to getting out. In fact, because he, in fact, he offered me out and asked me to get out of the car. And then I looked up and I saw camera, 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 camera. And I thought to myself, I'm a driver. I've got a job. I'm, I don't have time to be finding myself in these situations. I don't know what he has to lose or doesn't have to lose. But if I get out, my registration's there. I've got, you know, I've got a license by way of being a, being a driver. I could potentially lose my, my, um, um, lose my living and the way I earn money. So I don't think it's a good idea. So I let that one go. And his girlfriend no kind of persuaded him to fall back as well. So there was no no damage done by way of ego. Do you find go on. Do you find that a lot do you find that a lot of the uh uh whether it's alter, I mean road road whether it's like road uh what's the word like road rage or things yeah. like that that that's that's gonna be a constant like for the rest of our lives whilst we're yeah. behind the wheel because that's just that's just what happens. But but do you find that like uh, stuff that happens in your car, like the the, the 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 messed up things that happen in your car, like between either between your passengers or be- and between you, do you find that that most of the weird shit happened early on in your days of driving, and then as you as you continued to drive, you were able to like steer the conversation away from those stupid things that would happen early days. One hundred percent. I mean, the incidents yeah. I gave you, I think those happened early when I became a driver, and then you become a bit. I don't want to say numb to it, but you're, you're now used to these type of interactions. So you don't really um, rise to the bait or use I mean, value in just walking away. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally understand. Mm. Um, where yeah. from. There's no value in getting involved in any form of interca- um, any form of altercation. And sometimes I call their bluff, if I'm honest, you know, and more often than not, yeah, you know, it's just providing more than anything. So, um, yeah. What, what yeah. I'm finding that in that. Yeah. I, 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 I definitely relate to that. I think like all the all the really like all the really like fucked up things that have happened for me behind the wheel have happened in the first couple of months of driving. Now I feel like I can navigate around that before it before it happens, which is yeah, I guess that's like any job. You you, you become a bit more experienced behind it. And, and I and I find because um well, it might be a little bit different for yourself, but because I was on the road twenty four seven almost six straight seven mm-hmm. days a week. Because the road and driving in general can be stressful, because you're in that bubble and that intensity, it doesn't take much for yourself or anyone else, you know, to then become agitated and then there to be a confrontation. It takes a bit of time. I'm generally quite, um, I like to say serene anyway, so I'm generally quite a peaceful and serene person anyway. So I feel after a bit of time by way of navigating and just understanding, obviously, this is how things are. You just need to rise above it. 
you navigate around that. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna ask, for sure. I was going to ask, you did mention, obviously, when you were talking about having your coffee and the accident potentially happening, have you found, and obviously I know you were working only on the weekends, did you find your eating habits changed um, as a driver by way of either eating in um, the car or just being on the road all day? Um, nah, for the, for the most part, I, you know, like they say, there's like two types of people that eat to live or live to eat. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm def I'm definitely the person who just eats to live. I, I <laughs> like, I, I don't give, I don't give a shit what I eat. My diet in, in quarantine has been absolutely terrible, but before quarantine and like this COVID situation, when I was driving and I was in my routine, um, my, I, I eat the same thing, almost the same thing pretty much every day. And I like, get my meal prep done and, and I, like for the most part like I'm I'm consider myself really healthy like I I have my anchors in my day of like gym and like healthy eating I kind of need that because um those are like my controlled things in my life that I know are all my constants if you will um because then there's all this other like new stuff that's happening so now nah, to be honest with the with the eating side of stuff uh, not not so much um that that is I, I, if if i if i start to eat shit um then I, I i find it actually also like starts to affect my mood and i don't feel as like in the mood to engage and chat with people and stuff so nah did you do you do you find that you you can binge or or like not yeah, eat definitely. for the whole day I'm, and then i'm definitely partial to i don't want to say a donut but i mean if i'm given the opportunity to have something sweet then i more often than not would take that i like to believe i am healthy um, in that I come from a sporting background and working in football and things of that nature, which might be soccer to yourself. But I, mm. yeah, I can, you know, if I'm not structured, then, yeah, I can veer off. And also being, what I found is, I moved to Barcelona, so I, I'm not that I've left it out, but I haven't quite mentioned that. So I used it also, I used Uber as a vehicle to go back and forth from London to Barcelona. So in Barcelona, I would do a lot of my work Amazing. and then come back to London and then continue being an Uber driver. But there was a, a period, I'm going to say maybe a, a year, maybe 18 months, but I'm going to say a year period where I was just full-time Ubering. And then there's the transition from London to Barcelona. But what I found in, when I'm in Barcelona, I'm, I'm, I eat a lot healthier. I don't think there'll be a difference between London and Barcelona. I think it's just that I have time to actually pick out my foods and things of that nature. But when I'm in Barcelona, I, my weight is not an issue. But then the moment I come back to London, I'm very, I buy things on a go. Uh, I'm eating in a rush and I'm picking mm. out things for pleasure rather than, you know, to live, as you were saying, and living to, sure. living to eat rather than, um, living to eat rather eat than. Live to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live to eat rather than eating to live. Yeah, yeah. I got you. So are you, are you in Barcelona at the moment? No. So I'm in London at this moment in time. So I was just about to go to Barcelona and my flight was on the 23rd or 24th of March. And then in London, oh, um, the, lockdown, the lockdown began on the 23rd, but I think flights had stopped going to um, Barcelona maybe a couple of days or a week beforehand. Damn. No, that's, that's tough, man. Like, I, I, yeah, like on the, on the eating thing, as soon as we went into lockdown, because gym, gyms have actually only just started, just opened up okay. last week, um, but I'm still not back at gym. And, I, and I'm eating like an absolute arsehole. And I'm like, Putting, putting on weight and now like because i'm not in a routine uh, i hate it i really do hate it I, I need a routine otherwise everything else starts to crumble so <laughs> yeah that's the um that's i want to throw two questions in one so like 
I know you're working part-time. So my question was, have you found being a driver has changed your social life, but at the same time, um, has it affected your work-life balance? And I'm going to say that with the fact that you've almost become, I don't want to say celebrity, but I mean, you've become a, a figure, let's say. Sure. Um, I think, I think uh, one of the cool, having, having not been employed for three years now, or three-ish years now, I I look back with rose-colored glasses on the time that I was employed because when you're employed, you go to work, you have tasks and things that you need to do. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. You 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 know you got shit to do. You do your whatever you got to do, and then when you're finished, depending on the job, but like when you're finished, you're you're finished, and then you can have a social life and you do whatever you're gonna do with your friends and, and whatever. But but. Uh, yeah, when you're when you're self-employed, you can finish your tasks, but then there's always more that you can do, and it's the same. Like when you're driving full time, you can always and and they they're pretty good on the app with giving you like dangling that carrot and saying you know if you drive an extra hour or so or do another X amount of trips, you can get this incentive or you can make this much more money or however yeah. it is now. Um. So, uh, yeah. So that has absolutely taken a toll on my social life. Um. Like like I like I mentioned earlier, um, I I used to be out on the weekend with my friends, and now I I'm not. Like maybe once every couple of months, I'll take a, a Friday or a Saturday off, but I yeah. I'm, I'm behind the wheel every weekend. So that that's definitely impacted me. But but um, yeah yeah, and no, I get that. I guess that that, that answers the question. But and yourself. Um, yeah, I found it definitely changed my social life. So I, yeah, I, I like to be social and I like to be in and around people. And I think maybe um, without really knowing, when I became a driver, um, it affected my life. So you've gone from, let's say, for example, working five days a week. Now you see ample opportunity to go out and actually make money. So that includes your Friday and your Saturday. Um, mm. And then gradually it takes over your life and it begins to consume you. And also... I'm going to say that I feel, certainly in London, I'm not too sure how it is in Melbourne or anywhere else around the world, that I found potentially, it might have been with my move from London to Barcelona, but I'm sure there were other factors before that as well, that I felt I was always behind by way of how much money I was making or certainly my income versus my expenditure because I was renting a car um, as well as the other expenditures that, um, encompass obviously being a driver so I felt I always had to be on the mm. road and in so it came at a cost in that I wasn't socializing as much probably wasn't dating as much etc 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 and it definitely had an impact on my mm. life and that's when I made the decision to then uh, to then actually move to Barcelona I was very productive beforehand and I was doing a number of things but I felt my life wasn't going in the direction that it needed to and I thought you know I needed to make a drastic change and move to Barcelona and then gradually um, hopefully that transition will happen where I leave London, not leave London alone, but I leave the Uber or the driving alone and I can be in Boston a little bit more than, um, a little bit more than, a little bit more than I was. Um, so why, time, why Barcelona? What was, what was it about Barcelona that, that just grabbed you? Um, good question. I had done traveling in, in South America and also Central America. And I always felt at the time that Rio, Brazil, by way of the people and the way that they're very, very social, as well as the beach, I felt that would be an ideal place to live. 
um, just from my experience mm -hmm. traveling in South America and Central America. Um, but I always mm -hmm. felt that Rio was too far away. Um, and I thought, obviously, you don't want to be that far away from your family, your friends, etc., etc. And I had this... I've been Barcelona before, but I had this vision that Barcelona was probably the nearest and best, nearest and next best place, you know, that shared comparisons with Rio. And because I was speaking Spanish very mm. well at the time, still can speak Spanish generally but quite well and certainly can understand it, I felt it was only a couple of hours away from London. Um, it's cheaper. The sun's there. The sun's out all the time. Um, just in my, well, just in my, my now knowledge of Spanish culture, I find they're a bit more social than... English people and that more British people and that might be due to the weather but I just you know for me it was yeah. a match made in heaven and also what I did it gave me an opportunity to then focus on things that I, I felt that were really important to me so I'd work in London for example anything between two and four weeks and then I'd go to Barcelona I had a place there and I'd work for work there for equally the amount the equally the amount of same time and get a lot done mm. you know so there's a number of people who are now saying not now saying like it's a thing, but a lot of people said, oh my God, I've got all this time during quarantine. Look what I've done and look what I've achieved. But I found over the past year and a half, two years, I was doing that. So I, I, I then began to, well, I valued my time anyway, but I began to value my time even more so by being in Barcelona, knowing how much I can achieve over a period of time if I didn't have any distractions. But at the same time, I was living, yeah. a, great, I was living a great life because I had some friends who were living in London who moved to Barcelona. So I had a social circle and I was meeting okay. people as well. So I was doing a lot of work, but I was having a lot of fun at the same time. Yeah. And, and the people are beautiful in Barcelona as well. So like there's, yeah. <laughs> I, when I, I did a, I did a bit of like a, like a Western Europe trip when I was 18 and um, yeah, Barcelona was one of my favorite cities in the world. It's just, it's just, uh, there's a vibe. There's a vibe. La Rambla Street, like, come on. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a gorgeous place. Gorgeous place. I mean, I was living yeah. essentially quite central. So I was living, yeah, I was living very central. So at one point I was, yeah, so I was living central. So I lived in, I think, two different places. So I've lived on the beach and I've lived quite central to, let's say, the city. But I mean, the city, I find the city is quite small, certainly in comparison to London. So it's quite easy to navigate your, yourself around. So... Yeah, I love it. I love it. And once this is all over, I'm not too sure how things will return to what will be the norm or the new norm. But once um, I'm comfortable and I feel safe enough to go back to Barcelona, and I think things are probably better in Spain in comparison to London at the moment. But once I feel it's cool enough to go away and begin looking for a new place, then I'll do that. Um, yeah. Next question. Um, have you done um, much business or networked with people in the car people that you've actually picked up because i feel what i have found and towards the end of what would be my journey i would kind of almost pitch or explain to people what i'm doing and why i'm doing it and then they would understand the rationale and they'll begin to either contribute by way of ideas or really buy into what i'm doing and say don't give up on what you're doing because i mm -hmm. think you're actually onto something and i feel that where some people would actually go back to um a normal form of employment I feel you're onto something and I think you're very very close to achieving something which will be fantastic so stick with what you're doing but at the same time I've always I've, I've met people by way of actually exchanging details and actually wanting to have a further conversation outside of this cab so mm -hmm. I've met people from Amazon who are in senior places Apple who are in senior places um, people who are app mm -hmm. developers etc 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 who I've had very very good conversation with who wanted to exchange ideas outside the cab or we've had conversation outside by way of 
what they can potentially contribute to what what I'm doing. Yeah, contribute to what I'm doing. For sure. Um, I think like I absolutely have had some of those conversations. I, I, I want one that 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 uh, jumps to mind. As soon as I had started driving, like in the first monthish, I was still. So when I when I uh, quit like the corporate job, I had I had already started um, doing like this. Like I was pretty much reselling um, secondhand items, and and going to garage sales, buying stuff like you know for a dollar, two dollars, and then reselling it on eBay. Oh, so it's definitely following right. Gary V. Oh, for sure. Like I, I tried it and I was like, holy shit, this works. I'll give it a go. And then you try to, and then you try to scale it and you're like, huh, it's pretty hard to scale it. So then, so, yeah. so what I, what I, um, what I started doing was I was selling, I, I white labeled these like wallets and I was selling these wallets online and trying to like learn a bit of digital marketing at the same time. And I just so happened to pick up this guy that works for, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, like a management consulting company. Okay. And we had like a, we had like an hour and a bit trip and I was taking him into the city, but it was really busy. And he, we, 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 we broke everything down, like as, as my strategy for my business and like the product and everything. And he was so freaking helpful. Like, so free. I felt like I had like a, a one-on-one with like a, just a proper consultant, which I guess I sort of did. Um, and then he gave me his details at the end and he's like, you know, dude, if you, if you have any issues with this, feel free to like shoot me a text, shoot me a call. Like, like I really enjoyed this conversation. So like those little things here and there, absolutely. You never know who's going to get in your car. And if you're, if you're comfortable telling them about yourself or about your life, like I'm sure you, yeah, like you've had with, uh, with the experiences yourself, you, you never know who you're going to meet. But, but I guess in terms of like networking, I've, I've, uh, there are lots of passengers now that, are like return passengers uh and they and they like form p- more part of like the story of who they are on the channel um uh, so it's not really it's not really like a it's not a, a business transaction or anything but it's it absolutely has like allowed me to meet their friends who are also like fun and and and, and loving p- uh, people and then you kind of network amongst them and i've actually made friends with a lot of them like in my personal life which is really cool um, but, but yeah, it's had its own little networking thing to it. And then they get on the channel and people love them and that's kind of like snowballed on itself. So yeah, you can absolutely, if you're, if you're willing to, to have these conversations with your passengers, which you clearly are. And, and I, and I think I do too, you, you can absolutely, um, <laughs> make the most of the, the different people that get in your car. Cool. What type of conversations have you overheard? No, no. What type of, yeah, I'll do that. What type of conversations have you overheard in the past in your car? So do you mean more in like, in regards to like, like the scandalous kinds of conversations or like um, the juicy yes, shit? Or like actually, where, where? Yeah. So I mean, I've, I've watched your channel and <laughs> <laughs> so I've watched your channel and I also know you've interjected by way of saying, obviously that's a bit savage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that is kind of a bit of both really. So it might be, a, it might be a conversation, which is, I don't want to say intimate, but it might, it might be a conversation of that nature, but at the same time, it might be a conversation of the opposite spectrum by way of it being a bit savage by way of, you know, nature. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, like, well, uh, like there are, there are a lot of them that don't make the channel for obvious reasons, because either one, the conversation has been either so fucked up or so like, uh, just personal that I'm not going to ask them for permission. This is not going to go anywhere. It's just a conversation between the two of us. 
Um, or two, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's always along that line. So the, the, the content that doesn't make it to the channel, um, there's a lot of it. And I, I have a standout one that I always, it's my go-to one because it's up there with the most messed up things that I've uh, encountered. Um, there was a, a gentleman, he got in my car in the city. It was like three, four o'clock in the morning on a Friday night and uh, he's going home. And then he's telling me about like striking out with all the ladies and blah, 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 blah. Like uh, he had a rough night and then he gets a call from... <laughs> It's so fucked up. So he gets a call from like one of his one of his best mates. Um, they're chatting and they're chatting about his um, uh, his best mate's recent divorce. Uh, and and then he gets off the phone and he he fills me in and tells me a bit about what's happened. Long story short, his best mate got divorced. I don't know, like a couple months ago or something, a couple of weeks. I can't remember the time frame, but recently. And then he's texting and before we get to his house, or maybe like 10, 15 minutes, it's like a 40 minute trip, about 10, 15 minutes from his house. And um, he's like, do you mind if we make a quick detour? It's not that far out of the way. We're going to pick up this woman. Uh, and then he tells me more of the story. And the woman is his best mate's ex-wife or recent okay. ex-wife. And I'm just like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a fly on the wall. I'm just a raindrop on a windshield, but like, fuck man i just like the the you get to see because it's almost like when they get in the car with you and you'd be able to relate to this and they get in the car with you yes you're a person there but they think that they're never going to see you again so they're they're probably the most honest version of themselves yeah and at this stage i was very very aware that the most honest version of this guy was an absolute fool <laughs> um, and, and like no morals whatsoever they get in the car and they start like they start like making out and it's all just happening. All of this like sacrilegious bullshit is happening in my car. And I feel like almost like I'm part of it because I'm like aiding and abetting adultery. Or, <laughs> I don't know if it's adultery or I don't know if it's adultery or just like a best friend being a douchebag. I was just like this stuff happening. And so that was, that was something like very in your face. Cause like then it was happening in my car, but the amount of conversations of cheating you know, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I uh, just had like more of a sheltered upbringing, or like my circle of friends are like, I don't know, a little bit more vanilla. That that wasn't really something that we. It's like the whole cheat, the world of cheating. I, I didn't realize how much it happens, man. I feel really like innocent saying that, but Ridiculous. and 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 it's one the amount it happens, but also how comfortable some people are being a cheater and talking about it and even bragging about it. Yeah, but. Yeah, like, yeah, but so a lot of stuff around relationships and uh, he said, she said, and, and, and getting into that cheating world, I guess that's, that's probably where most of it goes. And just on the subject of conversation, what time, what type of conversation do you find yourself with passengers, whether it's about life or I'm going to relate it to the time period we're in, I want to say politics, because I started in 2017, mm. so... Um, in relation to politics in this country, in the UK, Brexit's happened. So some or most of my, not most, but some of my conversations about politics will evolve or, yeah, evolve around that, um, as well as maybe um, politics in actually other countries as well. So do you find yourself in, in conversations, not necessarily about politics, but just in life as well? Because sometimes a lot of people are finding themselves and it's really mm. nice sometimes just to speak to somebody who... Um, you don't necessarily know. You're not going to see it again, and you can have mm. very honest and frank conversation. 
and that person mm. you can just bounce off that person mm. yeah i think when it comes to politics and excuse me when it comes to politics and religion um i'm extremely careful with yeah. who i engage with uh which I, I i have no doubt you are as well but yeah it's absolutely it's absolutely beautiful when you hit that like synchronized thought pattern with uh, with someone and you can um either agree or thoughtfully disagree on on, on certain things yeah. um for the most part for the most part I, I that doesn't happen too often um the the late night conversations you know i, dr- I drive between like 10 11 p.m and 6 7 8 a.m those types of conversations are often like central centric around like relationship sort of things okay um but yeah you do have you do have the old conversation with someone that's uh more about life and and deep shit i love that that's my those are my favorite conversations yeah, to yeah, have. yeah, yeah. i love those i love those mm-hmm. yeah i mean because i have found myself in conversation where i've explained to people what i'm doing as to going back and forth from london to barcelona and people will be very very intrigued by way of what i'm doing why i'm doing it and at the same time I've come across people who are doing something very, very similar as to, or they've done something very similar where they've lived in another country or they've been back and forth or they've got a relationship in one country and they're working in another and they're just trying to find their balance. Mm. And you just kind of sometimes have conversation as to what would you do or this is what they learned from their situation and they may pass on their two pence onto myself as to, um, you know, just, just things to avoid or things that they would do in my situation. So, and although it's, it's great to speak with friends, sometimes it's very, very good to speak to someone who has no form mm. of attachment to you in it, no form of attachment to you. I can offer you advice from, I don't want to say from afar, but at the same time um, in having that experience. Objective. Well. Yeah, objective. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I com- I completely agree. And, and especially like, for someone with your situation or I would put, put myself in the same bucket of like with what we're doing is it, it's not really that normal for the no. most part. Like it's, it's, it's different and it's, and it's uh, I think it's for a lot of people, not everybody, but for a lot of people it's quite aspirational because you're, you're doing what you want to do. Yeah. And that's really cool. And to a lot of people that that's very interesting. And yeah, when you, I, I agree when you can have those conversations with people that can actually go, it, it takes a bit of comfortability to do it, but they can actually go, well, have you considered this? Or sometimes they go, yeah, you're batshit crazy, but best of luck with that. <laughs> you know, um, that's, that's the, that's the sweet spot, I guess, of, of driving um, for sure. Yeah. Um, moving on. Do you find, and I'll ask the question. Um, do you find your interactions different from men and women? Um, I guess like in the same way, like my interactions would differ from like children or dogs or any type <laughs> of like different person. Like I, I, I think, yeah, you, you, you become a bit of a social chameleon uh, as a driver. You have to adapt to different cultures or different everything um, in what you would be more comfortable talking about what they might be more comfortable talking about. They might say some really intense shit and you're just like, ah, oh, smile and wave. All right, fair enough. Um, so whether it's like men and women or, or, or any type of thing, I think I do. I think I do adapt to the, to the nuanced situation for sure. And just based on even some of the videos that I've seen, obviously this morning, obviously I know there was, I'm going to do this in air quotes. There was almost like a love interest from, I'm going to say Steph. 
Sure, yeah, still. Cool. So, uh, <laughs> from a flirtatious and attraction perspective, what have, uh, I've said this already actually, as to the differences between men and women, but what have your interactions been like with women? Um, like, we're using Steph as an example? Um, like, I'm using her as an example, but I mean, before Steph, um, you might have been none the wiser as to anyone potentially actually flirting with you or finding yourself in those type of situations. But in my conversations <laughs> with, in fact, I'll give you a very, very quick lowdown as to myself. Um, so okay. when I first started, I think my first weekend, I had a couple of interactions and I was a bit confused. And the reason why I was confused because I have like almost, my dad was a black cabbie. And even okay. in him being a black cabbie, maybe I was maybe a little bit more aware of that there are, there have been issues in, in regards to women getting in taxis as to, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just say it that loudly, but with men hitting on women as to taxi drivers hitting on women, rape, etc., etc. So with Uber being my conduit in terms of traveling from London to, or going back from London to Barcelona, I was, I told myself I would never put myself in a situation where I was going to openly flirt with a woman. I know these things happen mm. because you're having conversation and sometimes these, these things are friendly to be sold sometimes. Um, I was mm. never really going to put myself in a situation where I was going to be hitting on a woman. But after my first weekend, I found myself in a situation where a woman wanted to exchange details and also mm. another woman, I'm just keeping that story short, where another woman wanted to exchange details and another woman, um, she had come to London to actually meet with a guy, someone she had an interest with, and he had let her down and made the decision that he wasn't going to see her that weekend and he was going to go mm. have a good time with his boys, you know? Right. And right. She, had, she had a hotel and one or two hours. She had a, a nice weekend plan for the both of them. When she got in the car, um, she seemed quite frustrated and she said hellos, as you do, you strange um, um, pleasantries. And then she seemed to really want to tell me something and then she pulled back and goes, don't worry. And at the time, again, I was very, very new to driving. I thought to myself, there's a part of me was like, I'm not really fussed about your story. And then I thought to myself, you can't do that. You can't want to tell me something and then pull away. So I kind of said, sure. I said, just tell me because, I mean, there's no harm in doing so. You're going to be with me for, I looked at the time, looked at the, the, the ETA of the journey. You're going to be with me for 30, 40 minutes. You're not going to know me in, in, in one hour's time. We're going to go in different directions in life. And hopefully, um, by way of the story you're telling me, I might be able to offer you advice. And hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll make you feel a lot, a lot better. So we went into a conversation as to sure. her coming to London um, for the weekend. She was in transit. I think she was from the States, but she was transiting in London from someone she'd met in the past, hoping to have a nice weekend together and then go back to the States. But she genuinely had an interest in this guy. So we had a conversation about how he let her down, et cetera, et cetera, and how she was really looking forward to seeing him and how she had a strong interest in him. And then we ended up talking about relationships just in general. And as the... The journey came to a close. I kind of thought to myself, we've had a very, very good conversation. And more often than not, I wasn't thinking this, but I'm just now throwing this into the mix. More often than not, I'm going to say women, so yeah, I'm going to say this, women, or no, the, yeah, women would probably expect men to approach them as to hitting on them rather than the other way around. I'm going to say that is the, um, the arena. Men generally hit on women rather than the other way around. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they come to that point in the journey where we were having a very, very good conversation, and I thought to myself, "Like, where, where?" Did, I mean, I'd never found myself in this conversation because I was very new to it. I was very new to 
I'm having conversations in the car. So we got to the, we got to the point in the conversation where the journey was ending, and I thought to myself, "Wow, you've had a really really good conversation, and now I'm not going to really see you again." So she's got out of the car. We she we we said our goodbyes, and I could tell she was kind of hanging around in the car, waiting for me to actually do something. But I wasn't going okay. to do so because I had a couple of rules. A, I was never going to hit on anyone um, because obviously mm. the things that I've just mentioned. But at the same time, mm. if I had hit on her and I was wrong by way of what I was thinking, I can now find myself in a situation. So she was in the mm. car for about a minute or so before leaving and she hadn't really left. Um, but we eventually said our goodbyes. She left. She walked around the corner or she went somewhere. But I stayed in my car for about, say, five minutes just because it was a long journey and I wanted to kind of like wind down for just a moment. Then she rushed mm-hmm. back out and said she thought she'd left something in the car. This is about five minutes after the ride had ended. She goes, she thought she okay. left her phone in the car. She looks around. <laughs> she goes, oh, no. Oh, it's here. It's in my hand. And I thought to myself, I've seen this before by way of, you know, <laughs> you know she wanted me to say something, but I couldn't say nothing. Um, so that was an instant where I felt someone actually wanted me to hit on them, but I couldn't or I wouldn't. But what I found was I had a conversation with a, a police officer um, who got in my car one time and he asked me, have you ever found yourself in a situation? No, no, he didn't say, have you found yourself in a situation? He goes, what have your situations um, been like with women in the car? And I was a bit confused. I thought, is this a setup? Um, what, type of, what type of question is that? You know? Yeah. And he, I, I, I was quite restricted by way of what, what I wanted to tell him. So he, he later opened up and told me that he had found himself in an Uber pool before, accidentally, when he was in New York. And mm. something happened between him, a female, and the Uber, and the Uber driver. And mm. I explained to him some of the situations I'd found myself in, in in my opening weeks. And he said, mate, these girls are trying to hit on you. My personal opinion. He goes, in, in, in someone who's found himself in a, in a, in a sexual situation before, in being, an Uber, in being in an Uber pool, I think these women are trying to hit on you, personally. Um, so hence, I've had further conversations with other drivers and even other passengers who've got stories by way of speaking with other Uber drivers. And there are loads mm. of different stories out there. I'm not saying all of these stories mm. are good stories, um, mm. but there are definitely loads of different stories out there. And obviously by obviously watching your channel and watching your, your interactions with, let's say, Steph, for example, um, sure. I want to know if you have found, have you found, yourselves in, have you found yourself in any similar situations? Yeah, I mean, like, so first and foremost, uh, when you live in a country, you have to live by the rules of the country. Yes. And I'm super aware, like, when I, I, I remember when I first started driving Uber, like, right at the beginning, um, like, I don't know whether it was that first weekend or one of the first couple of weekends, you start to have these interactions with intoxicated passengers, and you go, you, you realize when you're sober, how forward some intoxicated passengers can be guys or girls and um like the (laughs) the first thing that came to mind or comes to mind when you're having those interactions and you're like geez this person's really drunk or like this person's really having a big night is (laughs) at least for me it was it was like those those uh newspaper headlines or like those uh, we've got a show here called a current affair a current affair or, or today tonight where it's like these these uh these these shows that like out taxi drivers or like yep. you know she was on her way home and this taxi driver predatorily did xyz so 
early days for me, it was like, it's, it's absolutely not worth it. And also, you know, I've had many jobs. I've, I've, I've had a job since I was 14 and 10 months. I've always worked. I've always known that in these workplaces, there are going to be people. Hey man, like a lot of people meet their partners at the workplace. Yep. And that always confused me a little bit because I know in my, in my, uh, the, uh, in my previous job, the, the corporate job, there were people that were dating in the office. Um, and it was like a bit of a weird thing. And it's like, it's weird until they're married and then it's okay. <laughs> so, but I've always, I've always acknowledged that um, like workplace relationships and yeah, sorry, workplace relationships are somewhat frowned upon. Um, and then when you take it to the extreme of whether you're in a taxi or a rideshare um, car situation, it's 10 times worse because the media will eat that up with a, with a spoon, man. Like they, they want that story. So I was like, you know, you can, people, you're having like a conversation with someone and you can play into a conversation, a friendly banterous conversation, which I've done on my channel. Like you use stuff as an example um, on, on her end, whether it was like intended flirting or, or, or whatever. Um, but uh, it, that's, that's where it ends with everyone. That's a hard rule. Uh, it's just not worth it. I, did, I don't want to be a, a headline for any type of controversy on that end. I'd rather be a headline for like trolling my audience that over some sort of like prank video or something stupid. That's where you'll, 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 uh, you'll see me uh, on, a, on a headline, hopefully in the coming years, but not, it's just not worth it. And, and, and uh, yeah, going back to what I said initially, it's like when you live in a country with certain rules, you live by those rules and, and whether it's taxi or Uber or any ride share, they've got a set of terms of service. It's just never worth, worth breaking it ever. And that's an extreme when it comes to like the sexual misconduct stuff. It's that, that scares the shit out of me. Most definitely. If you can go back, would you make the same decisions to become a driver? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, not uh yeah the it i'm really happy with how it how it played out i find i think i'm really really lucky that there was a bit of a a timing thing in which case meeting that woman who suggested that i that i put the our conversation on youtube and then having that sit in my head and then and then finding this this dude ryan in the states that's that's having levels of success to it i think that's all very lucky um, that I came across it and it, and it started with driving. Um, but you know, you know, I don't think in order to have good interactions with people, it doesn't have to be, uh, sorry, in order to have good interactions with people and then broadcast that somewhere, it doesn't have to be as an Uber driver or, you know, I'm, I'm learning more of late that like, whether it's Omegle um, or like these random chat roulette sites where you get put in front of random people and you can, have some sort of conversation. That's awesome. I was having a chat with my, my hairdresser like months ago. So, cause like there's a group of them, like a bunch of dudes, they're really funny. Um, and they have great banter amongst them and, and, and also with their customers. I was like, dude, you should, you should put a, put a camera here, get people to sign a waiver. Uh, say, so, you know, this might be online and, and kind of like document that stuff. Like I think there's heaps of opportunities to have positive social interactions with people. Um, and for me, it was through driving, but I think that's just, excuse the pun, that's just the vehicle of it. But um, yeah, no, I don't, I'm, I'm really happy that I, that I gave it a go. 
And have you got any advice for anyone who is currently a driver or wants to be a driver? And are there any myths that you want to dispel? Um, uh, advice for people that want to be a driver? I guess, you know, both you and I agreed earlier on in the conversation that most of that crazy shit that happened happened in the earlier months of driving. Um, so I guess expect random stuff to happen but it, it gets better <laughs> as you as you start to like you know navigate your way through it so i guess like depending on what your motivations to do it if your motivations are to supplement your income or to earn an income from rideshare uh i guess that has to be like your north star and, and just keep that into perspective and that the rude customers are a dime a dozen um and that and that and that those trips will end uh, but yeah outside of that advice for people that want to yeah not really man <laughs> i think there's i think there's you know what my advice would be i think there's a lot of ways to earn money and um rideshare driving is one of them yeah and it's it's a very it's a it's a low barrier to entry yeah. um so it so people can actually get stuck doing it because it's it's so easy to just log on and go um, but maybe my advice would be to consider all your options uh, in order to, to earn your money. But yeah, okay. that's all I got for you now. <laughs> you, you, may, you may have answered this question already um, by what you, what you just said, but would you recommend a family or friend um, to become an Uber driver by way of, in fact, by way of your experience, you may, you may say yes, but by way of um, the whole spectrum of maybe stories that you've heard and experiences you've heard from other people by way of, and how long they've been Uber drivers and some of the things they've seen and been through. Well, my family, I guess. Okay. So like my family, to put it into context, uh, brother, no, my sister, no, my mom, no, you know, my dad, my dad's, I think I'm quite similar to my dad. I mean, he's retired now. So I don't think he would, he would, uh, he would do it. Although maybe, I don't know. I think my dad would be a good Uber driver cause he's, he's pretty relaxed about a lot of stuff and is very, he's very friendly and easygoing, but, I think there are a lot of, like I said before, I think there are a lot of ways, if, if, if money is your North Star, I think there are a lot of ways to, to earn an income, especially on, online. Um, I'd say it's, it's, uh, it's worth a try, but um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Pro I probably wouldn't recommend my, my family, my immediate family to do it for any, any particular reason. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> Before we go, I mean, you've discussed a number of things as to um, almost branding yourself. And this was a question I was going to ask earlier on, but I just kind of moved past, moved past it. I was going to ask you whether you played um, any type of music in your car. But judging that you're quite, uh, I don't want to say quite, but we've referenced Gary V a number of times. Do you listen to things by way of audiobooks and things of the nature in your car? Because I know that is stuff that I did when I was driving. Obviously, mm -hmm. it might depend on who's in the car, but I'll try to... Um, consume a lot of good information during the course of the day. So if it was music, I wanted to feel good about myself. If I wanted to learn something, I made sure I had a good audio book at the time. And if I wanted things to be, um, let's say, informative as to the times, I would turn on the radio and listen to mm. maybe some of the politics of what is taking place at this moment in time. I mean, I mean is mm. that something you did yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so music-wise, I listen always listen to my music i know for some people like make suggestions of like you know what your what your passengers or, or like they're, they're like there are a lot of like 
Uber driver playlists or different type of playlists on, on Spotify that okay. you know, your passengers might like. Um, I kind of, I, I just, I, I toyed around with the idea, but I kind of decided, nah, man, like I'm in the car for a long time. I want to listen to my music and so far, I mean, I, I listen to like rap, hip hop sort of stuff and so yeah. far, no problems. Um, but, but, um, but uh, yeah, I do, I do listen to, yeah, whether it's like Gary Vee podcasts for something that's uh, informative around like social, building a social media following and things like that. Um, I listen to the, uh, what's his name? David Dobrik's uh, podcast. I'm not sure if you've David come across who? it. It's David Dobrik. No, I don't. We'll um, check him out. He's a, he's an American YouTuber, um, but he, he, him and his, him and his best mate, it's really just lighthearted. They're, they're funny. They got good one too. Um, and yeah, I mean, like for me, like growing up, uh, I would listen to like Tony Robbins, uh, like self-help sort of, um, content. I don't really listen to that as much anymore. Uh, but I, I definitely do see value in, in a lot of the, the, the self-help category stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's probably it. And what would you say is um, next for yourself? I mean, is there anything, I mean, apart from obviously what's next for yourself, is there anything that you'd like to plug or make the listeners aware of? I mean, so I haven't, I haven't driven uh, in about three or four months now. Fortunately, I, I had enough content to last me for about two and a half-ish months. Uh, so now I'm out, of, I'm out of Uber content or funny Uber rides, which is like the series that I was putting up every Friday. I'm still putting out videos every, I'm actually putting out more videos now every Wednesday and Friday. I'm having like fun interactions with people on Omegle, uh, which is like a chat roulette website. So pretty much you hit next and then somebody else pops up in front of you and you don't know what kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's all types of interesting. Um, and fortunately, like my audience uh, really enjoys those videos. But that, that seems to be a bit more of like a, a bridging thing um, until I can get back out on the road. I had a, I had a bit of a, a rough plan to do an Australia tour and do Uber or rideshare in different cities around, like the main cities around Australia. That's obviously on on hold at the moment until it until it's safer like like there in england we can um we can still drive i just don't think it's a smart move so I, I'm, I'm i'm holding off for now um but yeah no man like uh i put out videos on youtube every wednesday and friday at this stage it's it's funny uber rides the omega videos are called banter um the the, the tag is darren levy official i hate the official so feel free to come and have a look and, and see if you like it Okay, I'm going to go back to actually watching your videos very, very shortly. But um, I would like to thank you for your time and really appreciate you experience, um, sharing your experience in, sorry, sharing your experiences, sorry, uh, with, with the audience. Dude, I, I appreciate you having me. I actually really enjoyed this chat. It was cool to have a chat with like another Uber driver or somebody that can actually relate to the experiences that I've had. Because I know like you've been nodding along and I've been nodding along with, as, you, as you've told your stories or I've told my stories. Uh, you're a good dude and all the best with the, with the book launch. Much appreciated. I'm hoping that'll come out. So obviously I know people are probably listening somewhere in between um, September and probably November, maybe slightly before. This conversation has been had in June, um, June the 29th to be precise. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I'm going to have a number of these conversations by speaking to other Uber drivers. Um, and also, um, there's one or two passengers to which 
I, I still remain in contact with. So there was someone in particular who was my Spanish teacher. So I'm hoping to maybe have a conversation with her. And there's one or two other people. Ah, I want to have a conversation with a black cab driver. I don't know if this is actually going to happen. Um, so I'm speaking this, so I'm saying this in June, but and I don't know. Yeah, so I'm saying this in June. And obviously this is going to be heard in September, between September and November. Um, but I'm hoping to have a conversation with a, a black cab driver as well as to some of the conflicts and differences and opinions, but at the same time, maybe shared experiences that we have. Mm. Yeah, and I, I'd also like, just on a personal level, on a personal level, I wonder, like that transition when Uber hit the market firsthand, that must have been stressful as fuck for some of these dudes that are, you know, been driving taxis and used to that industry and, yeah, like, yeah, no, that's cool stuff, man. Best of luck with it. I think, uh, I think you can have some really interesting conversations. Okay, much appreciated. I'll definitely be in contact anyway, and I'll probably drop you a message or I'll drop you a line somewhere, somewhere down the line. Cool, cool. All the best, man. Good chatting. Thank you. Take care. Hi, Andrew. My journey is available for pre-order via my website, andrewmensahjr.com. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-M-E-N-S-A-H-J-R.com. And for more content, follow me on IG and Twitter at Andrew Mensah JR. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-M-E-N-S-A-H-J-R. Subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Andrew Mensah Jr. Same spelling. Thank you.